I'm Rechard van der Berg. I'm Duncan McLeod. And I'm Andrew Fraser. This is Talk Central episode 181 for the weekend starting 30 June 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, the home of South Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, uncovering the GuptaBot Sock Puppet Network. Uh, also this week, Petya ransomware floors businesses worldwide. Was it a Russian cyber weapon? Plus, MTN poaches Telcom's Jackie O'Sullivan and HD streaming coming to DSTV now. Time to untangle the cables on another podcast. Welcome to the show. How's it, guys? How's it, Duncan? Hi, Duncan. Especially welcome to Andrew, uh, who's joining us for the first time on uh, Talk Central. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a podcast virgin, so, so be gentle. We'll go easy on you. <laughs> I'm hoping, Andrew, this will be the first of, uh, of many uh, podcasts you do with us. And um, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Andrew, of course, uh, um, if uh, our readers and listeners don't recognize the name, uh, has contributed some interesting pieces just recently. In fact, uh, he did a long, very detailed and very good piece on uh, the mess that is the digital migration in South Africa a couple of weeks back now. Very well-researched, I thought, um, and a subject yeah, you know intimately. I don't know so much about well-researched. I've just lived through it. Yes. <laughs> it's been a, a quarter of my life has been spent on this. Yes, well, living through something, I suppose, makes you an expert at it. <laughs> um, but we're not going to talk uh, DTT today. I think we've, we've um, exhausted that subject over the, uh, over the months and years. We're going to talk instead about uh, about lots of interesting things, including some uh, some digging and research you've been doing on the Gupta Bot sock puppets on Twitter. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that. But before we d- jump into into the news and uh, discuss everything that's going on in South Africa and technology at the moment, we should do our quiz. Indeed. First question: Blue Label Telecom said this week it'll buy which handset distributor for 1.9 billion rand. Uh, South Africa's two new stock markets are engaged in a legal brawl. What are they called? Our third question this week, Celsi has a new chief financial officer. Who is he? And for a bonus point, who is he replacing? The fourth question, former SABC COO Claudi Motsuning this week asked congregants of a church in Katlehong to pray that what happens? And uh, let's pray it doesn't happen. Yeah, let's pray it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, fifth question, uh, state-owned airline SAA's board reportedly wants which Vodacom executive as its new CEO? That's our quiz. As always, we'll get to the answers to the quiz at the end of the show. But uh, let's let, let's jump into our discussion of the news. And um, certainly the Guptas have been in the news this week uh, for various reasons. Uh, I think there have been a number of further major uh, revelations from uh, people like the Daily Maverick and uh, their investigative unit and also the, um, uh, what's the other one called? Ama Bungani. Ama Bungani, yes, thank you. Um, The revelations from the leaked emails, of course, coming out uh, on almost a daily basis now. Uh, And uh, quite troubling, I thought, uh, this week was the uh, demonstration that emerged outside Peter Bruce's house in Parkview in Johannesburg, um, organized by Black First Land First, uh, who uh, seem to be in the pay of the Guptas. Uh, they came to the Guptas' defense when there was uh, the anti-Zuma marches, the anti-Gupta marches a few months back. But, Andrew, um, we need to talk tech on the show, and uh, while I'd love to talk the politics around this, um, you've been doing some interesting investigation around Twitter and the Guptas and the Gupta bots, as they're called, that have um, been surfacing. They've been around for a while, but you've been doing some digging as to into who might be behind them and... Uh, what they're doing and how they're interlinked. Um, tell us a bit about why you decided to do that and um, what you've uncovered. I think um, part of the, the part of the advantage of being uh, a freelancer and and occasionally underemployed is you get a bit of time to do things that that are just interesting. Um, and over the past couple of years, actually, I've been I've been quite interested in the fact that there seems to be a. I mean, it's pretty claim that's the case now but there seems to be a kind of an underground group of bots supporting and uh, basically commenting on anything to do with the Guptas anything to do with uh, any negativity that comes out about the Guptas there was there was immediate reaction from from a number of Twitter accounts and to be honest this probably started 18 months ago I started just collecting the names, the, the the handles of these of these accounts, and putting it into a little Twitter list. And right. Every time I saw one, I just put it into the list. And over a period, I gathered probably about eighty or eighty or ninety of these of these mostly fake accounts. I mean, they're right. blatantly fake, you know, mm. with uh, kind of 
40 followers, which turned out to be the other bots. Right. And, um, <laughs> and, and they tend to follow just random accounts. Um, but it kind of ratcheted up a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I think uh, particularly around the time that the, the, the WMC leaks uh, fake news website came out, there was kind of a, a ramping up. And I noticed um, people like Max Dupree were complaining that he had literally hundreds and hundreds of new followers that mm. were following him, um, all created on the same day, all with very, very limited profiles. Um, just basically, I think it, at one stage he was saying he was getting five or 600 new followers every day. And they were just these, these, these obvious fake accounts. Um, so I started just digging into it to see you know, what, what is going on. Um, so the first thing I did was I, I wanted to map the, 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 the accounts that I'd identified. These, these are accounts that are actually active. So mm. They were either retweeting, they were using certain hashtags, they were, follow, they were kind of uh, building up the voice of, of, um, of what, whoever was talking against, uh, about WMC or Peter Bruce or all of these kind of things. And um, I wanted to map it out, so I I did a bit of research. I'm I'm not a I'm not a social media um, specialist or anything like that. So I started looking for some tools that I could uh, kind of map this out. I found a a, a tool that exists, um, which is called Node Excel. Fantastic um, piece of software. Fantastic piece of software. Unfortunately, if you want to do the Twitter stuff, you need to pay a license, and mm -hmm. I'm cheap, so. <laughs> Um, I wasn't prepared to pay the $75 a month to, to pay a for month. the license. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I put out a, a, a twiggle. I said, is there anybody out there that um, would be that could build me a map? Yeah. And one of the guys that was involved in the Node Excel project, uh, a guy by the name of Mark Smith from Connected Action in, in the US, contacted me and said, show me the list. And literally 25 minutes later, yeah. he said, here are your maps. Oh, wow. Um, and those <coughs> those maps, which I think if you go to um, Daily Maverick, I think they're they're, they're posted on there, um, just basically shows the kind of kind of activity on the accounts. It shows what the what these bots are talking about, where they are, how they're connected to each other. Um, but it does also show that it's you, you start to figure out how the how the network is built. Mm -hmm. um, so you can see that there's probably. I'm guessing three three separate nodes, three separate people that are involved in this thing, yeah. um, and they have a kind of an, an army of bots that that each of them has, and they obviously they cross over between each other, but they are kind of three definite nodes that you can actually see of these of these fake accounts and f uh, fake Twitter. Um, and then I was trying to figure out why they do mm. it mm. <laughs> because. Mm. They, they tend to be kind of self-referential. They're only talking to themselves. They don't, there's no real, um, there's no real interaction where they're going to change anybody's mind. They're not going to be able to um, create a narrative within Twitter because, you know, for the most part, it's quite inept mm. what they're doing. It's, mm. it's quite transparent. Um, and as I say, they, they're kind of self-referential. So a lot, there's probably five or six accounts that produce quite a lot of content that, that actually do interact with other with other Twitter users. But the majority of these these accounts just retweet memes and and content. Mm. Um, and I think that the, the only only kind of reason that I can think that they they're actually doing it is just to drive hashtags to trend. Um, so they'll put out a hashtag like Cheetah Peter, which is the, the mm. Peter Bruce uh, uh, defamation kind of concept. Um, and the whole idea is just to repeat that hashtag often enough so it starts to trend so that they can be noticed. They can be noticed and that, that narrative can get out there. Um, and I suppose to an extent that that might work. Um, I'm not sure how successful it is, but it's definitely not something. This is not amateur. This is there's there's somebody spending money on this. I yeah. mean, they're inept and they're not very good at what they're doing. Mm. But this is paid. This is definitely but somebody that doesn't quite understand what botnet was capable of trying to implement it with some money and a paid for service online, probably. Yeah, I think you know we call it a botnet. It's it's not a it's not really a botnet. It's real people. Behind I, these it. are real. These are real people. This is just uh, this is just somebody with tweet deck and. 500 fake accounts yeah. um, or an IFTTT uh, script that yeah. automatically retweets a, mm. a, a particular mm. message. Um, 
I don't think we should. We should. There's. There's. I don't think there's somebody there that's programmed a proper bot that that's that's reacting and doing things. This, mm. These are people. That, you so can pay for these services I, online these days. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So I mean, I call it a, 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 a good to bot, but I, just in the terms of that, they always say the same things. Not really that that it's automated. I, mm. I think this mm. is largely. Um, just huge amounts of fake followers, and we're going to see more because, as I say, there's 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 a whole new kind of group that are that are coming into the market that you're going to be seeing now. Do you think the the acceleration in the uh, the activity of these um, bots, Gupta bots, for want of a better word, was a direct result of the email leaks that we saw a few weeks ago? Yeah, definitely. Mm. I mean, there's no question. I mean, and and the same thing with the, the WMC leaks, the, the the defamation against Peter Bruce. Mm. The, I mean, they've been attacking some of the journalists quite openly. So yeah. Ferial Hafiji uh, and a couple of others have been attacked very openly. Um, you know, the the, the the story of the Rupert uh, controlled media. That, that kind of narrative has been out there for a while. Mm. But we see it ramp up quite strongly. So you saw the, the immediate reaction to, I mean, a physical reaction to, to Peter Bruce's um, opinion piece this week. Yes. Um, that's kind of just the physical manifestation of what we've seen online mm. over the last three or four months, I mm. think. Mm. Um, and it definitely ramped up with the, with the Gupta leaks. Mm. Um, the point is, I'm I'm not sure that it's necessarily doing them any good. I think, if anything, it's probably harming them, um, because it's it's so blatantly, so blatantly propaganda. It's yeah. not it's not but it's like not the, true. A bit like the WM leaks website, which is just so obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was yeah, no, I, I'm not sure who they're trying to fool. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> maybe you know, maybe I, themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like to think that you know that South Africans have got some critical thought. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you lose a Bell and Pottinger account. You know, the quality of your PR <laughs> campaign goes out the window. Yeah, so, so I'm quite interested in. I mean, this is this. They've been sock puppets around the Guptas for a while now. You know, this is not something that's happened in the last year. You mm. know, we go back to Conamid's website, which was like a, a blatant um, Gupta. Um, supporting website, you know, the truth about the Guptas and how they employed, I don't know, pick a number, Thousands. people in <laughs> South Africa, um, and how these guys were, you know, part of the, the um, black empowerment in South Africa, you know, that, that whole narrative. Mm. Um, I've got a feeling that that was probably Bell Pottinger's idea mm -hmm. um, at the time. Yeah. And now maybe continued by... Something yeah, like I, so, so, so I think yeah, what's happening now is probably the same kind of concept. Um, that wasn't that was kind of obviously propaganda, but it was yeah. probably a little bit more uh, what's the word sophisticated yes. than the, the stuff we're seeing now. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what it's, I mean, perhaps veering off the technology subject again, but I wonder what this really says about um, how desperate the Guptas are getting if they're resorting to this sort of tactic uh, to smear their rivals or smear their critics, rather. I think that, that that's all they have. I yeah. don't think there's any, I don't, I don't think there's really any other defense. Yeah. You can't. I mean, they, they, they'll always say, you know, we've never been charged, you know, we, we, but they've they've never tried to sue anybody for defamation mm. either. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's reaching the point now where these claims have to be tested in court. There's yeah. no question. It's, sure. it's going to happen. Mm. It's just a matter of when and who. Yeah. And I heard Zuma speaking at the ANC policy conference uh, this afternoon saying that criticizing the courts and... Uh, saying that they're the enemy of the people. <laughs> I think they're only the enemy of our president. <laughs> but um, coming back to the tech side of this, I mean, how, how far can we pursue the, uh, the, the social media sock puppets? I mean, can we find out who's behind them? I think it's hard. Um, you know, when, it comes, you know it, when you take a social uh, network like Facebook, for example, so mm -hmm. Facebook is, it's harder to, to create anonymous accounts in Facebook. Mm. It's, it's more difficult. It's not impossible, but it's more difficult. Then. Mm. And the time taken to do it is, is long. Whereas Twitter, you can automate that process. Yeah. You know, it's really, really simple to create them. Um, and there's, there's a thriving industry mm. in, in the subcontinent, uh, Indian subcontinent, yeah. of producing fake followers, you yeah. know, people that, that sell them. So I think it's, it's a measure of some of the things that are great about Twitter is that you can create an anonymous account. You know, it's great to have a, a second account that you can <laughs> you can use. And it's Still not tied to you. <laughs> um, so I'm 
I think that's just one of those things. Mm. Um, it's difficult. The other thing is that, t- that Twitter doesn't um, doesn't really give you any information other than the, yeah. than the username. Um, so you, you can you can use the API and you can find out what was used to to um, to mm. create the tweet and the, and that kind of thing. But you can't find out IP addresses mm. or see if you're getting multiple messages from exactly the same IP address or track out where it's coming from um, directly on Twitter. So, yeah, I don't think there's really that much we can do except just keep monitoring it mm. and, and, and seeing what it looks like. What intrigued me in looking at some of those um, sock puppet accounts was um, the, the names were clearly chosen at random as well. I mean, they, 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 they clearly chose South African names, but then you'd have an Afrikaans first name and a Zulu second name, for example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's as if they put no thought into it whatsoever. So the, the, a, a week ago, before before we saw some of those interesting ones, there were a whole bunch that um, tweeted a whole lot of stuff, and they all had cricketers' names. But it was kind of the Proteus, one first name from one Proteus and the surname of another. Huh? Um, I think that also hints that it was created in in uh, in the India. India Indian subcontinent because you know it was, it was cricket. <laughs> um, but these ones, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously they just plugged in built a script that, that pulled South African names and then just mm. mixed and matched the first names and the, and the surnames. Yesterday, however, I found a whole bunch of new ones with Spanish names. So oh. obviously they've run out of, uh, of South African <laughs> Unique South African names. <laughs> Look, for, for a good server for five bucks on Fiverr, you can probably get somebody to create you 10 accounts or so. Maybe that's what they did, you know, send a list and just go through it. <laughs> so, I mean, th- they definitely bought these. I mean, these mm-hmm. are these are, these are all, if you go through and you look at the accounts, um, I pulled some of them on uh, across Twitter's API, and literally you can see that they were they were generated within seconds of each other. Mm. You know, they were all on the same day within seconds that the, mm. the accounts mm. were, were generated. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's, they're obviously fake. Yes. There's no, they're not even trying that hard to hide the fact that they're fake. I mean, it's just amateurish. I mean, it's like the, the, that website. I mean, was it the Daily Maverick who was able to determine who the author behind it was? Yeah, it was. It was actually one of the Daily Maverick's readers that did it. Uh, oh. by the name of I think Jean de Toure, who, oh, that's who right. actually dug up that information, went in and looked at some of the metadata yes. within the WordPress site that they were using, yes. and identified the name of the of the person that had actually created the site. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I mean that, that is fairly amateur. I yeah. mean, that's the quality that you get from from some of the IT staff in South Africa, I suppose. <laughs> Still want to know who, uh, who leaked the emails. Uh, it has to have been an internal employee. Um, carried a server out one weekend or something. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. That's a lot of data. I mean, it's, yeah. they're talking about two hundred thousand odd it's emails. Two hundred or three hundred gig, I think to recall. Yeah. Um, it's not something you just upload onto the internet. It's uh, probably a machine you put under your arm and take out a building. Well, yeah, it might it might have been a hack. I mean, it could have, you know, you can, yeah. if you've been hacked, yeah. you could that stuff streams out slowly. That's so, true. you know, yeah. over, over, out, over over 3 months you you, yeah. you pull out all the information. That's true. I'm fairly sure that if it was a hack, it's the breach has been closed now. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just changed the password to 34567. <laughs> anyway, Fun and games, it's an interesting time to be living in this country, that's for sure. But let's, let's go a bit further afield and uh, let's talk about uh, cyber security and uh, this uh, Petya ransomware, which uh, spread like wildfire over the course of this week. Uh, it seems to have started in the Ukraine, um, related apparently to accounting software um, that's popular in the region, ME Docs. Uh, that became infected, I think, through an update, uh, or was infected, and then they put out the update, and then it infected does, a range of computers. It does depend who you talk to. According to Emmy Docs, not a chance was oh, it right. them. <laughs> <laughs> we know nothing. Um, and, and then, of course, it spread all over the world. It's, it's Some big multinational companies were badly affected by this. Maersk, the big uh, shipping mm-hmm. uh, company, was particularly hard hit. But also FedEx and uh, I think it's TNT Express, their global subsidiary, which was, was affected by this. And I believe their South African office was also affected um, badly. Uh, the, t- the global TNT Express operations were affected badly by this, this particular piece of malware. Um, but Andrew, you've, um, you've been reading some interesting stuff and, uh, about uh, how this might in fact have been a Russian, the Russians may have in fact been possibly been, been behind this. Yeah, maybe allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we covered there, yeah. Okay. Um, I think so. <laughs> I was Putin didn't necessarily do it. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
No, well, I was reading up, um, I, I mean, I saw the, 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 the information out last week that, that there'd been another ransomware attack um, uh, after that, that, that massive WannaCry outbreak yeah. uh, mm. earlier, which was fl- flouted by a 19-year-old who <laughs> discovered that, that, that you could switch it off by just <laughs> registering, the registering a domain. Um, Fantastic. Maybe the Guptas were behind that one. <laughs> Anyhow, so so after that, I mean, and, and WannaCry was was widespread. I mean, it it, it yeah. went across the world really, really quickly. I mean, it took down some of the NHS uh, servers in the UK. Yeah. Um, uh, there were a number of of, of uh, 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 times it was which was found in South Africa as well. Um, but as I say, you know, once once the kill switch was um, was tripped, it stopped spreading. And it, the one the difference between kind of WannaCry and and this one is that WannaCry seemed to try very very hard to propagate. It was externally focused. It was trying to move across networks as as much as possible. Um, this other new what they call a new variant of Petya, or which what some of the guys called not Petya, not Petya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or GoldenEye. Um, Uses some of the same same methods as WannaCry, but it doesn't seem as focused on propagation in terms of external propagation. It's really focused on on working within networks. Um, so I was reading uh, a couple of things. One of them on uh, on Axios.com and, and mentioned there that they what they what everybody's calling ransomware, and the fact they're calling it ransomware is because obviously there's a screen that says pay yes. us mm. three hundred. Three thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin or whatever it was. Mm. Um, they said that it seems that it isn't really ransomware. Okay. Um, it looks like a wiper as opposed to a, an encryptor. It looks like it's designed rather to cripple systems mm. rather than to try and get some money to to. Uh, so disguised kind of, as ransomware. Yeah, disguise. It's kind of a false flag, you know. Something, something <laughs> altogether more malicious. Yeah. Can't see how your files are being deleted because it's being encrypted at the same time. And <laughs> and the other thing is that they say that the, the, the quality of the code in this one is far superior to okay. what was in WannaCry. Um, you know, WannaCry is a, was effectively one of the first examples of what they called um, RWAAS, Ransomware as a Service, <laughs> <laughs> where you could actually rent the, the, the ransomware on the dark net. You could go and Oh, right. Buy it and and pay somebody and then implement your <laughs> own one. Um, so they said that this one is much more focused on actually closing down computers, corrupting them, and and making them useless. Mm. That you can't you actually have to start from scratch. And what the the argument that kind of comes out of this is something that um, I think his name's Alan Greenberg from Wired wrote a, an article a week before this broke, um, saying that. The Ukraine particularly is kind of a, a testing ground for Russian cyber ops because they're effectively at war. There's, mm. there's, there's nothing you can really complain about because they're at war, so you know <laughs> anything goes. Um, and he's saying that there's, there's so much activity by Russian hackers, state-sponsored hackers in the Ukraine where they've taken down um, electricity networks, they've taken down their pension fund, mm. they attacked their police force. Um, this one seemed... This ransomware seemed to be very focused on the Ukraine, yeah. and it's really focused on, on key kind of companies within the Ukraine. It was, I think 80, more than 80% of all incidents related to this piece of malware occurred within, in the Ukraine. Within the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that because this wasn't focused on propagation, it, it looks like it was targeted um, mm-hmm. at, at those Ukrainian things. So the the other companies that have been that have been affected, people like Mask and and um, DHL, and there are, I think there were two or three others. There are a couple locally. Those are probably just uh, not they weren't targeted. You know, they mm-hmm. were just happened to be infected with the, with the same same kind of thing. Um, and the, the the whole point of the the thing claiming to be um, ransomware with a very very amateurish kind of email based. Um, ransom solution, which was shut down by the by the German email operator yeah. immediately. Yeah. So if you do get this, you're you can never pay the ransom. Yeah. Or you can pay the ransom, but you can, you're never going to get a code mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to decrypt your hard drive. Um, it's really the, the the real goal of this was to destroy and damage, not to not to try and make some money. Mm. The um, I, I seem to recall that the Americans very firmly blamed WannaCry on the North Koreans. Um, I don't think there was ever any definitive proof of that. Uh, 
Um, but it's interesting that this one is potentially pointing the way of the Russians. Mm. It is easier to blame the North Koreans rather than because the they NSA. can't really respond, and no one believes them anyway. Yeah, and well, mm. you know, Eternal Blue was written was done by the NSA. <laughs> you know, that was the the, the, the key <laughs> issue of, of WannaCry. That's hard work. Yes. So you know, they yeah. the, the NSA knew about that for how many years yeah. and, and yeah. didn't tell Microsoft to, yes. to patch it. Yes. So I would take whatever they say with a pinch of salt. Yeah. You know. Mm. Um, I think it's very easy to to say it was the North Koreans that did this or this, mm-hmm. and likewise, we, you know, we're saying this is the Russians. Likewise, it's very really easy to blame the Russians for anything now because they, you know, they have done some stuff. So yeah. Yeah. you just blame them for every new thing that comes mm-hmm. along. But um, as I read about it, it, it sounds quite mm-hmm. quite plausible that this is the case. There is so much disinformation in this area, though. It's so hard to know who to believe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. misinformation. Also, some of the, the, the big antivirus guys are <laughs> Russian, so <laughs> who do you believe? <laughs> yeah, those Kaspersky guys. I mean, they've got some of the best minds in the world. But whose side are they fighting for? That's another good question. Anyway, we need to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber. Now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Rechot and Andrew today. And um, interesting move this week. Uh, Jackie O'Sullivan, who... um, joined Telcom, I think it was about three years ago now, uh, as head of corporate communications, um, announced that she is going to be moving to the yellow team, uh, MTN. Um, I thought it a very interesting move. Um, you know, Telcom has done well in the last uh, few years. I, I think we all complain about them and their services, etc. But from a, from an operational point of view, they've, um, they've, they've done well. Their share prices tripled, quadrupled over the last three or four years since Sipo Maseko took over back in, I think it was April 2013. Uh, and he assembled a very good team around him. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, former CIO of Nedbank, for example, is running their IT operations, uh, Len de Villiers. Um, they had Enzo Scarcella, who appointed as chief uh, marketing officer. Of course, Enzo has also gone to MTN now as chief operating officer of the South African group. And um, but but he had he built a good he has built a good team around him. But uh, it's interesting now to see first Enzo moving across to MTN and now Jackie O'Sullivan going across. Um, MTN of course has got a completely new management team uh, yeah. uh, compared to just a year ago. Um, they have a new CEO in the form of Godfrey Modso, who of course was poached from from Vodacom. Uh, Vodacom was very unhappy about that and uh, launched court action to stop, stop him from working for MTN South Africa until uh, a restraint of trade agreement expired. Fair enough, I guess. Um, but he's heading up the South African operation now, and he's clearly building a, a um, quite a powerful team around him. So he's got Enzo, who um, uh, I think originally was uh, at Vodacom and was responsible for those baby ads that Vodacom did, which were so popular. I think <laughs> Enzo might have a, a royal flush by now. I think he might have worked for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to see all these movements in the, the industry. Uh, um, certainly a lot of chopping and changing, a lot of executives moving between operators. Quite a, quite a fluid situation. Um, and, you know, I wonder what it says about um, about Telcom, first of all, that, um, that Jackie O'Sullivan, their, uh, I guess I can call her their chief spin doctor, is, is leaving to join the opposition. Um, and what it says about MTN South Africa, that um, Godfrey is... Um, uh, you know, assembling this, this what looks like quite a powerful team around him. Dream team. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, what does it tell us? Is uh, you know, are, are Telcom's fortunes potentially starting to wane a bit? Uh, is MTN, which has obviously been through a nightmarish time over the last few years, not just in Nigeria, but um, they've also had a lot of troubles here in South Africa. I think they've had five or six CEOs over just as many years. Um, are, are they finally finding some stability at MTN? Are we going to see them starting to claw back some of the lot market share that they've lost to Vodacom and to and to Cell C in particular? Um, I don't know. It's interesting to see these top execs moving and um, you know speculate a bit about what might be driving those decisions. I think um, Jackie moving is that's a good move for MTN. I mean, yeah. she's a, she's an excellent spin doctor, as you say. Yes. She's, she's great. Um, and she went to Telcom when they had, uh, I think she was at AXA before that. Sassel. 
Cecil. She was at Cecil, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, she went to telecom when they, they public persona was was pretty poor yeah they, they, yeah. they looked bad they they uh, they had a kind of a weak position um, and I think when she went across there she did a very very good job in terms of of controlling the narrative selling the selling mm. the story of, of what they were trying to do and it was a hard story to sell and it was a str- mm. it was a difficult story to sell uh, I think you know what when you when you pay some dividends to the shareholders they they, they buy into yeah, it that's but, true. Um, ordinary customers are harder it's, yeah, it's much difficult for the average consumer. Um, and I think MTN is in a very similar place to where Telcom was. Mm. MTN is, uh, it's really got a kind of quite a poor reputation, reputation mm. at the moment. Um, it doesn't help that there's too, too many users they've seen as profiteering. Yeah. Um, in terms of you know the data must fall kind of story and mm. things like that. So I see they were in the news again this week over their data, over their roaming charges and customers yeah, getting yeah, uh, you know burnt over that. Yeah, what Catherine Pelé who made yes. quite a <laughs> quite yes. a bit of noise. Look, to be fair, I, I think for once it's not their fault. I think you know roaming charges are set by the by the, yeah. the, the third party, the other mm. network, but. It is true. It is something that they, they should address. Yeah, but you're right about telecom. There's been a there's been has been a change in perception. I think uh, I think there's still a lot of negativity around telecom amongst ordinary consumers, but certainly amongst shareholders, there's, it, there's been an improvement, uh, as you say. But I think also amongst consumers, I think there's a, there's a I've certainly noticed that telecoms cult- culturally has changed. Um, they're not. They're not as um, holier than now, you know, we own the market, um, it's our way or the highway attitude from them anymore. I, I think you have to thank Enzo for that. Yeah. I think he brought in a very, cons- they weren't a consumer-focused business yeah. before. Yeah. They were yeah. a monopoly that, mm. that, that sold people something that you couldn't get anywhere else. Um, when he went there, the, the stuff that he introduced in terms of, especially on the mobile side mm. and on the, the fixed LTA side, the, those kind of messages that they put out, they were mm. very... They were, they were pro-consumer. They were good products. They were valued. Um, I think their marketing was was human. Mm. Um, it was it was it worked very very well. Um, and I think that's had a difference. Look, to be honest with you, you still don't want to try and get hold of the telecom call center. True. You don't <laughs> no. want to go to a telecom shop and try and get service. I no. mean, it's still yeah. horrendous. But likewise, you don't want to do that with MTN either. Yeah. Mm. True. Mm. I have seen in telecom shops a lot fuller these days. I've walked past a few in the last few days, and there were a lot of people in a lot more than I remember. I actually use that as a as a as a yardstick for how well these guys are doing. And uh, I was walking through Cresta the other day, uh, and I know it's it's not scientific, but I was walking <laughs> through Cresta the other day, and they've got all the shops there. I walked past Vodacom first. In fact, Vodacom's got two stores in Cresta. They were both packed. Uh, I then walked past the Cell C store, it was packed. I then walked past the MTN store, it was empty. I walked past the Telcom store, it was packed. Yeah. Um, mm. Look, I'll be honest with you, I think that the Telcom store is, is packed also because they, They're slow. their systems are so <laughs> yeah, incredibly <laughs> slow that it takes an hour to serve each customer. That's true. Uh, but I agree with you, you walk mm. past an MTN store, there, there are tumbleweeds. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that used to be the case with Cell C. Um, uh, you know, I, I quite often go to the Northgate shopping centre, and uh, the Cell C shop there used to be like that tumbleweeds, no one in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, that changed about 18 months ago when they cut their prices and became much more aggressive in the market. Maybe it was two years ago now already. Mm-hmm. And that store's been busy since then. Um, but you're right, MTNs now are empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the stock they carry. I mean, uh, as a customer, I do pop in there from time to time, rarely, very rarely. But yeah, the stuff the stuff they have on the shelves is just delicious. It just doesn't. Mm. It's not. It's stale. Everything in their stock seems a bit stale. I think it's time for them to really you know, take it up a notch. Yeah, I know they are. Game. They are. Well, certainly, Teto Inyati before he resigned to go be the CEO of Ultron uh, was talking about revamping all of those MTN stores. Um, I'm not an MTN customer, so I, I, I don't actually go into them, so I, I can't yeah. comment on that. But uh, it'd be interesting to know if there, if there are improvements happening in those stores. When was the last time you were in an MTN retail store? No, I walked past them from time to time, like I said, and you can kind of see you know, the stuff that's on yeah. the shop. But uh, I think about a month ago, I was in one looking yeah. for you know, second sim and stuff. Yeah. And the service was slow. It wasn't ideal. It wasn't mm. the same as it was two years ago. Yeah. It was definitely been a cl- decline. Yeah. Yeah, these companies have become, I mean, they've, like, they've become like telecom. They're big and lumbering. Uh, they... Um, you know, you have to manage them very carefully, otherwise you end up mm. with poor service. Um, oh, I, have a, I have a particular view on on telcos in particular, and, yeah. and Vodacom is probably slightly different in terms of that they're, they're much better managed. But in general, you know, in the in the 90s when, when cell phones were launched, no, they, they never expected the kind of successes that they no. had. And they made 
absolute fortunes for doing nothing. Mm. Yeah. For a long mm. period, their return on investment was massive. And, and I think they came to expect that as the norm. Mm-hmm. And it's not the norm. You know, they were just right time, right place. They had a technology that took off. And then kind of the from maybe 2005, 2006 onwards, the market became tougher. It became more difficult, saturation, you know, that kind of stuff. And some, they, they just don't seem to be able to, to shift with the market. Mm-hmm. They, they still think that they're entitled to make so much money. They became fat and lazy. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they, this is the way it is, you know. Mm. They, they became that kind of fat cat monopoly mm. kind of organization. Um, and you have, to, you have to be nimble. And I think that's the great thing about what, what I think Telcom has done is that they've been quite nimble. They've, they've kind of poked the bear a little bit yeah. in terms of doing something a little bit different. Certainly their freemium plans have been yeah. very aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think popular. I've been hugely successful. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And uh, um, I mean, you wouldn't, would never expect it of a former or still partially state-owned monopoly to be able to turn, it, turn itself around like that. Um, but Sipil Mosaico seems to have managed to, to, to take this thing by the horns and and mm. do something with it, which is uh, quite remarkable, actually, yeah. if you consider what the culture was like there before you arrived. Yeah, yeah. We actually want to be customers of Telcom again in some way, shape, or form, as yeah. opposed to not, you know, with the DSL era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was, had to choose between Telcom and Vimitel, I would still choose Vimitel for my phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but on mobile, you know, Telcom is an interesting proposition. Mm, mm. Yeah, well, I'm a I'm a Vodacom subscriber. I've been a Vodacom subscriber for twenty-five yeah. years, and I'm seriously considering saying you know what enough already mm. I'll, I'll just port to I did it last to, year to Telcom I was on Vodacom for 20 years and I bought yeah. it to Telcom yeah. so just because mm. the just the value mm. proposition that, that it offers is so much better yes and I'm fairly sure that if I do it I'll be disappointed in in certain aspects of the service um, and the coverage mm. compared to what I get on Vodacom but it's a matter of saying you know is it worth some some inconvenience in order to to get better value. If you spend most of your time in the city, uh, then then you're not going to have a coverage issue. Um, it's when you go outside the city and then it's the phone is switching over to roaming on MTN mm. that you might have some challenges. But um, and also there's no roaming on 4G. So if you're out of the city, you're on 3G or 2G. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you spend most the bulk of your time, if you're not if you don't travel a lot out, outside of Joburg, for example. Uh, it's not, you know, the telecom coverage in the cities is, is actually quite good. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, I had a very interesting podcast a couple of days ago with Graham Cumming, who is head of digital media at DSTV. Um, well, we're going to have a listen to that podcast. We had a wide-ranging chat about what DSTV is doing in the streaming world. And uh, we spoke about um, their relationship with Showmax and uh, what they're doing with DSTV Now. For those who don't know, DSTV Now is DSTV's... Um, streaming product and um, I, I, I kind of feel it's always been f- treated as a bit of a second cousin inside multi-choice um, <laughs> yeah. you know it's only ever been in standard definition it's been a bit difficult to use although that's you know it has become easier over time and they've added things like um, airplay and chromecast support uh, but it's still in standard definition but what Graham said to me this week was they're going to be launching an HD uh, version uh, starting with the sports channels um, and then um, progressing to the general entertainment channels later. Uh, um, we don't know what type of HD this is, whether it's going to be uh, 720p or 1080p or 1080i or 4K, doubt that. But hmm. uh, um, they are talking about um, taking this HD quite soon. Um, I, I know that a lot of customers, and I think, Andrew, you one of them, have had a frustrating experience with DSTV now. Um, a lot of buffering. I've, I've certainly encountered buffering in the past. Lately, it seems to have become more stable for me. Yeah, I've, I've used it. I, I mean, I, I think that the, the announcement that I would have liked to have heard is that they're going to uh, disengage it from from the from the satellite business completely, so that yes. you could you could buy it separately. But I'm that's guessing coming. I'm that's guessing coming. that's going to take a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think that you know what I'm a I'm a Netflix subscriber, and right. I mean I know they're the leaders and they're the, the but the fact of the matter is is that it is seamless. Mm-hmm. You know, Netflix has. They have the, the correct content delivery network in place. You mm. know, doesn't matter what it is, you get a great response. You get no buffering. I mean, assuming you have enough bandwidth, mm. you get no buffering. The quality is fantastic, and both with Showmax and with DSTV now, it's not quite as good. Mm. You know, it really is. You get buffering. Um, I found you find lower lower resolution at, at inopportune times. Mm. Um, fr- uh, lost frames. 
it's particularly you know so they they say they're going to go to HD for sport. Um, I would prefer that they stayed in SD and just improved the frame rate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think that that's really the issue is what happens is that the frame rate drops down to kind of 20 mm. frames a second. Right. Um, which is kind of acceptable and each frame looks fine. Yeah. But, but the ball seems to move rather erratically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that they're talking about going to HD. I just hope that they're building building on their, their content delivery network, that mm. they, they're investing some money in the in the ISPs to actually mm. make sure that, you know, when, when the Springboks are playing, that the stream doesn't die because there's just too many people accessing it. Hopefully they'll throw more bandwidth. I mean, they'll have to with the HD stream. You know, they'll have to throw more bandwidth. And that should, in theory, support the, the SD streaming guys as well. They've got to put the, I think Andrew's right, they've got to put the CDN in the right place. Um, and I think that's really the issue. Is yeah. it's, it's not, it's, you, can't ex, you can't service a whole country. I mean, even a, a relatively small country like South Africa, you can't stream to a whole country from, from one kind of server farm mm. um, because the, there's, there's just too many links in the chain. You mm-hmm. need to have those content delivery networks out there. And even if that's just taking the pressure off the non-live stuff, the catch-up stuff, Mm-hmm. Um, so that the live stuff has has, has got bandwidth, mm. but you know if if some people are watching um, Game of Thrones, you know you've got people watching Game of Thrones and all the other catch up stuff at the same time. You've got a sporting event, you are going to have bandwidth issues. Mm. You know that's that's just a fact, and it's a it's a it's a an art to build these networks. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I think that that the advantage that DSTV now and Showmax have is that they can learn from the guys that went before them. Yeah. But I'm hoping that they're making sufficient investment mm. to make it worthwhile because if the experience is poor they'll lose customers faster than they gain customers yeah as a standalone product i actually asked him that question and he said it's definitely in the road on the roadmap but uh, no timing now obviously mm. um so probably i would guess a couple of years still but uh, the idea yeah, is that at some point in the future you won't need a satellite dish to watch dstv I think that part of it is their their licensing regime, you know, the the way that they pay for their licenses and buy mm-hmm. their licenses, um, which is why you'll see certain product, certain um, of their programs aren't available or channels aren't available on on DSTV now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the licensing regime that they yes. have. And it it all comes down to the lawyers at the end of the day. It does, yeah. In fact, they have to negotiate with every channel uh, individually to to apparently to go from SD to HD, yeah. uh, <laughs> and. Um, uh, Graham was saying that if it's you know once one of them goes, they all tend to to come on board. I was quite pleased to see that uh, the news channel ENCA is going to be launching on uh, on DSTV now shortly because uh, uh, often I'm I'm sitting at my desk and uh, there's a major news event happening. I'd like to actually see some uh, some uh, uh, I'd like to stream it to my desk. And That's ENCA is a good channel, and I'm certainly not going to watch ANN7s available on YouTube for free. Damn, what have I been missing out on? The SABC is on there, um, and uh, the, the coverage is, uh, especially since the departure of the king, it's surprisingly been, good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Speaking of the king, we'll get back to him a bit later in our quiz results. Um, but uh, that covers the news this week, um, I'm, guys. I meant to, to discuss the winner and loser this week before we started recording, um, and uh, I completely forgot to do so. So maybe I should just—I um, I came up with some ideas beforehand. So maybe um, by default they should be out. Yeah, I think that's wrong. Unless you guys have some something something specific you'd like to to raise, um, I'm proposing that our winner this week is FNB for uh, announcing that their uh, smartphone app is going to be zero rated on all networks. In other words, you won't use any data, or you won't pay for any data, or won't come off your cap. Uh, if you're um, if you're using the app, which is pretty cool, well done FNB. I'm sure all the other banks are going to follow suit. And uh, our loser this week, uh, following on from our uh, detailed discussion about it earlier, is uh, the Gupta bots. Um, I guess. Or just the Guptas. Or just the Guptas. <laughs> just the Guptas. <laughs> just the Guptas. Loser the. <laughs> and their Gupta bots <laughs> and their sock puppets. <laughs> um, Rechot, what's your pick this week? So, you know, I try to keep things in the spirit of, of bots and bot networks. And I came across this really cool and very inspiring website um, that I'm sure you'll both agree with me. It's called inspirobot.me. And it's an attempt um, to create uh, artificial intelligence that will spew out motivational quotes for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't get it right most of the time. So uh, you guys can't see it, but um, it looks like a hell from... Um, <coughs> 2020 or 2010, <laughs> yes. you see there, and you just basically auto-generate uh, a quote, click the button, 
And the gem it is giving us is feel that you're bangable. Let people know that you're fine. Understand that you're persistent. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Hey, this is a family friendly podcast. <laughs> oh, bangable. <Yeah>. Bangable. <laughs> Here's another one. When we give up our power to smother law and order, we also give up our power to become part of a scare tactics. <laughs> Very cryptic, yeah. I think but this is a great website to fire up after yeah. you've had a few beers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a, um, a website, a, a kind of a bot website, which uh, produces Deepak Chopra quotes, um, which are comp- you cannot tell the difference between them and the real thing. I mean, they are they're just as meaningless as, oh, as the real <laughs> Brilliant. Long, walk long and hard with bare feet, that type of thing. Andrew, you've, um, you've brought two picks this week. Yeah. Um, the first one is I, I, I've been writing something on um, the South African um, InfoSec outfit thanks to this week. Um, hopefully it will be published once it gets error checked because I'm not in the InfoSec space, so sure. it's being error checked at the moment. Um, so thanks to uh, they, they produced the Canary device. I think it's been featured on, on Tech Central before, which is a kind of a honeypot device. Mm. Um, they're about to release two new versions. One is a, a cloud version of the Canary and the other one is a, a virtual machine, machine version of the Canary, um, which you can uh, roll out in a, in a network. It's really interesting stuff. The Honeypot stuff, uh, it's something I had to learn about this week. It's, it's really, really um, quite clever. And my second pick is the Nokia Android devices. Oh, yes. I'm really, um, I'm really impressed with the um, with the, the the stuff from Nokia, I wasn't a fan of the thirty three ten. I think that's a bit of a gimmick. Yeah. But mm. but the the Nokia Android devices, the the three five and six, um, not so much the three, um, which is really an entry level device. But I'm a big fan of kind of mid range devices that that deliver real value, and the the Nokia five and six are, are, are really good yeah. value for what they offer. That six and in particular, is, I mean, it's it's three triple nine, I think, and it's yeah, it's about four thousand, wow, about, yeah. about four thousand rand. Look, it's a it's a strictly middle of the road device. Yeah. It has a, 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 a um, what's a the Qualcomm it? Snapdragon four thirty. Uh, okay. Middle of the road is fine for most people. I mean, it's uh, for geeks who's chase the biggest and best. Yeah, look, if yeah. you're not gaming, to be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. you'll probably find that it'll do the job. Um, but it's a nice device. It's well priced. Um, the great thing for me is that they're using um, the, the, the SOC they're using that that, that Qualcomm chip, um, plus the fact that they don't they use a very very much a stock Android experience. Mm. It is stock stock Android, yeah. I think. Simply um, said. Yeah, I'm great. sure they, I'm yeah, sure they've added a couple of couple of things to it, but, Apparently it, not. It, but it's effectively stock Android. Apparently not. Apparently it is just stock Android. Yeah. Yeah. So the great news about that is mm. that that means that your upgrades are very likely. You yeah. know? So when you move from what's yeah. it, the next one is new, uh, from Nougat to what is it? Oreo, I suppose. They haven't it's announced it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be Oreo, Oreo. because mm. Nabisco will pay them for mm. that. <laughs> it is Nabisco. Anyway. I don't, they, probably won't call it, they probably won't call it Oros. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, so when you go to Android O, the chances are that there's going to be an upgrade. And when they go to Android P, there'll be an upgrade. Yeah. Um, if it's not from, from Nokia themselves, it'll be from the, from, the the, from the community. So, you know, the guys, because it's, it's much easier for them to just hack the, mm. the, the stock Android onto, onto the device. Mm. Um, the, I must say the Nokia 3, that probably won't be the case because that's using a, a MediaTek processor. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, I went to the launch um, well, about 10 days ago now and uh, played around with all of the devices and they're fantastic. Um, that Nokia 6 in particular impressed me. It was, mm. uh, you know, just running, opening up, closing apps and, and playing with the device. It, it felt like a high-end phone. Mm. 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 So, well, look, I'll be honest with you. There's, there's, they're not the only phone that's out there. In that, right? there's, there are a lot of mid-range phones in that 4,000, 5,000 price bracket that are genuinely fantastic devices. There's but they're not running stock Android. They must the be most not. Part. Well, the mm. motors are, but the, yeah. but the rest of them aren't. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, it's quite an interesting place. You know, I think it's it's the most exciting part of smartphones at the moment is actually not the oh, yeah. bleeding edge yeah. 15,000 Rand phones, but in that kind of five, 6,000 Rand level yeah. um, where you've got some real value, really quality products. Yeah. And that, that, those are the sort of devices that were the premium phones two years ago, yeah. three yeah. years ago. Yeah, well, functionality yeah. Uh, now, I mean, the, you know, it's a 430 as opposed to an, what's it, an 835 is mm. the latest Qualcomm um, device. Um, 
they're definitely not as fast. They don't have the same graphics capabilities and things like that. But for everyday use, what people are actually using their device for, which is messaging mm, and browsing and, browsing and, mm. and you know, mobile gaming to an extent, it's it's fine. It's not mm. you don't really need any more. You know, not everybody's gonna plug their thing into a monitor and use it as a as a portable PC. You know, yeah. it's it's a phone. Yeah. yeah. It does that, even with that feature. <laughs> yeah. Although that did Samsung Dex is pretty cool. <laughs> I haven't used it though. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, my pick this week is um, a little app called Relive. Actually, Rechot, you're going to love this thing. You must oh, check it out. I have seen it. Oh, you've it seen is it. fantastic. Brilliant. Hey? It works with Strava, Garmin Connect, and Polar Flow at the moment. Uh, and all it does is um, you connect it to – I connect it to my Strava. Um, as uh, I think regular listeners to the show will know, I'm a, a big trail runner. And as soon as you finish an event, within 30 minutes of you finishing the event, the Relive app then pops up a notification saying we've got a, a, an overview of your of your run. And it, they pull data out of – I think it's out of Google Earth. And they create a video um, using Google Earth of where you've run, where you've stopped. And then when you take a photograph on, on the run, for example, or on your cycle or whatever mm-hmm. it was, um, it'll pop up a picture at that point. And it, it's it's expertly done. Um, really, really cool app. If you're a regular um, runner or cyclist or, or whatever sport you do, uh, Relive um, uh, is fantastic. It works on Android. I think it's available for iOS as well. Um, really cool little app worth checking out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that is our show. Uh, we just need to do our quiz results. Andrew, do you want to kick off with the first one? Um, yeah, so the first question was uh, Blue Label Telecom said this week they'll buy which handset distributor for $1.9 billion? And the answer there, of course, is 3G Mobile. The second question. SA's two new stock markets are engaged in a legal brawl. What are they called? And the answer there is ZARX, ZARX, and 4AX. Our third question, Cell C has a new chief financial officer. Who is he? And for a bonus point, who is he replacing? The new CFO is Tyrone Sundaji, and he's replacing Robert Paisley. So the fourth question was former SABC COO. Is he former? Oh, yes, he is. Yeah, former. Um, <laughs> Claudia Matsuneng this week asked congregants of a church in Katlahong to pray for what happens. And the answer there is that he becomes the president of South Africa. <laughs> That's, That's so my funny. word. <laughs> and the last question. State-owned airline SAA's board reportedly wants which Vodacom executive as its new CEO? The answer there is Fuyani Jarana. And that's our show for this week. As always, if you've got any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on on Talk Central, and uh, we'd love to have you back again. It's been a great discussion today. Thanks very much, Tango. Until next time, from all of us, cheers. Ciao, ciao.